Good afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Plum, and I am your host of a Pen and a Napkin podcast, the weekly coaching clinic that you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome to Foundation Friday number 38, and today we're going to talk about organizing your feeder programs and getting your elementary stuff lined up and how to handle your tryouts and registrations. This is going to be coming up here for a lot of folks going into the fall, uh, the spring, and in large part the summer has been thrown completely out of whack, of course, by COVID-19. So how do we make these adjustments? How do we, how do we uh, make sure that we've got everybody where we want them to be? And how do we communicate what is important to us? Uh, I think you also, to start out with, you have to take a look at your stages of development within your program and, and how do you want your program to look overall. And you start with the end in mind. Obviously, at the varsity level, you're training to win. If you go backwards to your JV level your tr- uh, and your freshman level, your high school level in general, you're training to compete, to get ready to train to win. Seventh and eighth grade, it's a lot about you know, train to train to get yourself better. That there's no that's that's kind of the the middle ground where there's no real major end game in sight. You're usually doing a lot of five in five out mass substitutions at that level. Uh, fifth and sixth grade, you're you're learning how to train uh, properly. This is how a, a good practice should look like. These are the expectations that you should have if you're really going to be a serious basketball player, and you learn how to do that. Second, third, and fourth grade just a lot of fundamentals and simple stuff on how to play the game. And then, of course, kindergarten and first grade, you're looking at like an active start and and, and, and just getting kids interested in playing the game is, is the basic uh, backwards way to look at how to organize your program. With your elementary program, so now let's go from youngest to oldest here. Uh, in your elementary program, what do you want to do with that and how do you want that structured? Uh, a good summer camp, and we're talking kindergarten, first, that type of thing here, um, through, you know, fourth, fourth, fifth grade-ish. Maybe fifth grade would be a high end. Let's go fourth grade. But uh, summer elementary camp, uh, maybe a, a weekend clinics program, uh, maybe uh, uh, that type of thing that you keep things going, getting a ball in their hands, some adjustments you can make to give kids confidence and make it more equitable for them buying smaller basketballs, uh, getting a 27.0 or a 27.5 as opposed to a, a 28.5 high school varsity girls basketball or a 29.5 boys basketball, just to give them confidence. Uh, to get lower rims, if your gym has the ability to lower your rims, let's say down to eight feet and you've got a 27.0 basketball, that is perfect for third and fourth graders. If you don't have that capability, uh, get some money out of your program and go buy some some cheap portable baskets from Walmart that these kids can shoot on that you can put at seven and a half, eight, eight and a half feet so that they can have success of putting the ball in the basket. Now, once you get into your official teams, your fifth through eighth grade teams, and you're training to learning to train and training to train levels, uh, there's a certain thing that you need to have. First of all, you need to have a purpose for your program. What are you looking to accomplish at each level? And every program is going to be different. Uh, if you are a high-level club program, and I'll use examples here in Omaha, if you're an all-Nebraska attack, if you're an Omaha Sports Academy, something along those lines, you're going to have heightened expectations. You're going you're gonna to charge more money. You're going to uh, travel more. You're going to have more practices, more games. It's just going to be more because you're asking more because you're charging more. 
at the other end of that spectrum is your basic school programs. Uh, everybody is eligible to go out. We're going to have uh, X amount of practices. We're going to have X amount of games. We're probably going to pay a teacher a stipend to do this, and it's going to be a shorter season. Most feeder programs into high school programs are going to be somewhere in the middle of that. We're going to play in some leagues. We're going to play in some tournaments, but we're not going to travel as extensively as an organized, uh, a highly organized club program. Uh, it's going to be a hybrid of those two systems. I think the first thing that you that you explain to your parents and to your players is you've got to find the program that works best for you. In that hybrid situation, kind of that middle ground, Obviously, that's not going to be enough for some people. That's going to be too much for others. And you be upfront and honest and say, hey, here's who we are. Here's what we're all about. Here's what we what to do. And if that's for you, hey, we'd love to have you with you. If not, hey, that's fine. That's okay. Go do your own thing. We'd love for you to be at our school here in two, three, four years, whenever you're ready to come to high school. But this is what this program is all about. I think it's also important that you lay out your philosophy as far as development. For most feeder programs going into a high school program, you want to develop players for your high school program. You want the same terminology. You want to run a lot of the same drills, if possible, or to adjust the drills to the grade level. You want uh, to develop players to have them in mind for your high school program. I would use the equation, or what I would tell our parents is, I see it very similar to what we do with our summer teams uh, with our high school program in the summertime. We want to play high-level teams, and we want to develop players. Do we want to win? Absolutely. But winning and losing isn't how we're going to judge this. It's going to be developing our players. I also think that there are three levels of expectations that you need to talk about with your parents and with the prospective players. Uh, Those three levels are my expectations as the head coach of the program, your expectations as a parent, and what are the player's expectations, your child's expectations for the program. So, for example, uh, the expectations that we have, that I have as the high school head coach are three or four things. Number one, are we having fun? Are we working really hard? Number two. Number three, are they concentrating? Number four, are they improving? Are they learning how to become high school basketball players? If we do those four or five things, three, four, five things, I'm going to be really happy. Those are my expectations. As a parent, again, let's go back to those expectations. What do you want out of this program? Uh, What we have set up, and here it is, and it's all lined up and ready to go for you. Uh, You may like this. You may say, no, that's not enough for me. You may say, no, that's too much for us, or A, we can't afford that, or whatever it may be. Uh, But you need to talk about that as well. You also need to talk to your child about their expectations of what they want to do. And often that is forgotten along in this process. What does the player want out of this? I I think that it's important that you emphasize to your parents to have that conversation with their child. That, hey, what do you think of this tryout? What do you think of this program? Do you feel like you're comfortable here? Is this going to be enough for you? Is this going to be too much for you? And it's important that you start having those programs because oftentimes we see kids that get burnt out by the time they're a freshman or a sophomore in high school because it was too much and they didn't really want to do that much in the first place or my passion really was here but my uh, but I didn't want to disappoint my parents. You'd be surprised how many times we hear that as as high school coaches. I think it's really important that you communicate to your parents about the communication that they need to have with their child as far as expectations and their realistic Uh, ability and skill level. 
parents need to, and this is a quote from a guy named Bruce Brown, and if you don't know who Bruce Brown is, you need to look him up. He is absolutely awesome with what he does with, with helping uh, administrators and coaches communicate with parents and, and, and players and, and working that entire triangle or that square, depending on who's all included with this. But Bruce Brown calls it releasing your child to the game, and it's important that we emphasize to parents that they are releasing their child to this game, to this activity, and they need to just go out and enjoy watching them play. Bruce uh, Bruce Brown, very he's very uh, exact. He's very um, aggressive when he says the thing that children dislike most about playing youth sports, the number one thing that they hate is the car ride home. Uh, mom or dad or both want to relive the whole game that you should have done this, you should have done that, why did coach do this, so forth and so on. And what I really tried to do as a parent, and I'll be the first one to admit, it was hard sometimes. But you get into that car after the volleyball game, after the basketball game, after the soccer game. If they win, you say, hey, great job, so happy that you won. I love to watch you play. And you leave the conversation at that. If they lose, hey, they get into the car, hey, tough one, yeah, I wish we would have had that one. But hey, I love to watch you play. And you leave that at that. And I think part of our responsibility as high school coaches is to educate our parents as to that is what our kids really want. And as my kids have now kind of outgrown sports and I no longer have anybody active playing sports in, in with my biological children, I don't get a chance to watch them play anymore and I miss watching them play. Uh, so I think that it's important that we educate our parents in that regard to be realistic and to have a, a, a realistic look at their athleticism and what the kids' expectations are. I also think it's important uh, that you are very firm in telling your parents that if, if we have any sort of interference or any sort of confrontational attitude, we are going to dismiss your daughter from the program. We had one situation, and, and we basically had to come to this idea because you're talking about moms or dads or a, a coach that is essentially a volunteer or not getting paid very much money to coach these feeder teams. And this is hard enough for them to do that, that if you have a parent who is going to bring that sort of attitude or ideas or constant emails, you need to cut that off. And you need to be upfront and forward with that with your parents as you start putting these teams together before it even starts. I think that you need to have some sort of evaluation process, uh, an evaluation sheet. And, and if you've ever been through any sort of, of, of evaluation for a junior high program or any sort of youth team, uh, let's say you have 15 kids trying out and you tell your, your, your parents and your kids, uh, 15 is a tough number and that's the reason why I picked that number. Uh, it's, it's hard to have two teams. What we are going to do is, is we're going to have one team of nine. And, and for a youth basketball team, the optimal number is probably eight or nine kids. Ten if you're pushing it, but definitely no more than ten. So let's say you're the, your number is 15 trying out for a team of nine. Well, anybody who's ever done this knows that numbers one through six are usually going to be pretty easy to pick out. And numbers... Uh, 12 through 15 are also going to be pretty easy to pick out. It's, it's 7 through 11 to fill those last three spots are usually the hardest thing. But you need to have some sort of evaluation to uh, be able to explain your choice as to why we kept this, you know, Mary, Becky, and Susie as 7, 8, 9, and we didn't take uh, 
Sally, Rayanne, and Maddie as number seven, eight, and nine. Uh, what are those things? Uh, you you explain uh, that you're you're building for the long term, uh, whether that be and there may be some reasons why some kids are ahead or behind for for different reasons, skill level. Uh, some kids have gone through puberty or are beginning through puberty at this point. Uh, you're looking for kids if if you're in a situation where you maybe have an open enrollment situation or uh, you're at a private school that this kid is probably going to go to to West High and we're at East High and so why don't they you know they should go play for West High instead of East High because you know we're East High and we want to we want to help kids get ready to play for East High. Uh, there, there's a lot of different variables with that, and you need to come up with that. I, I think that you do keep that door open by saying, if your son or daughter is cut from our program, that does not mean that they cannot play for us some someplace down the line. Uh, I literally had that happen to me. We had a kid that we cut as a seventh grader that by the time she was a senior, she was getting recruited by Division two schools. And it happened. I, I can I can speak from experience that that happened. So never shut the door on a family. You always keep that door open. You don't burn any bridges with that. I also think that it's important that you establish a budget from the get-go. Uh, we had a, a set number, and I promised my parents, I said, we will never ask for any more money than what we are asking for right away. But here is our firm number. Here is what we're going to ask for right here, right now. All of these uh, costs are inclusive. Uh, we're going to ask for a a, uh, a deposit that is a non-refundable deposit. So we let's say you have a, a tryout. Uh, we'll keep it simple here going into the fall. You have a tryout on September 1st, and if you're charging $300, you say, uh, we're going to charge $300. We need a $100 deposit by September the 7th, and pay us uh, the balance of this by uh November the 1st when we really get into this or whatever, however you want to put that together, however it works within your community. Um, but you never ask for more uh, than, than what you've already asked for. I really think that you have to hold the line there. And, and if you do make a mistake, you make that adjustment on next year's budget. Hey, we asked for 300 but you know what? We really should have charged 350 per kid. Um, I also think it's important that you be flexible with that money. You, create, you, you talk to families about payment plans, and especially during this era of COVID, it's, it's, uh, financial stuff is really uh, in an upheaval. So if you've got a family, my recommendation to you is never let money get in the way of getting a kid into your program. So if you say, hey, pay me $75 a month for four months to cover the difference of, of what you owe, or if it's $50 a month for six months, or whatever you need to do. You need to be flexible with families. You need to create that goodwill because not everybody is in the same financial place. Uh, the last thing I would say, and I probably should have talked about this when we were talking about parents in the, in the process, uh, make sure that you are very upfront and honest about closing off practices to parents. You don't want parents hanging around your practices. Most of them are going to be fine with it, but it's important, especially as they get older, to turn the game over to the coaches and to, 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 to release their children to the game and that you're upfront and honest with your parents about that beforehand. So just some tips on organizing your feeder programs and and getting things organized and ready to go for your tryout process that a lot of us will be going through here over the next couple of months. If you have any questions, of course, email me, a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. If you have any other ideas that you'd like to share with us, I'd be curious to hear other people's ideas on, on what they can do to organize their feeder programs. 
Uh, obviously, if you're listening, you're on iTunes or SoundCloud. Thank you for listening. Like, rate, review. Give us a five-star review. Forward this information out to like-minded people. Again, we're just asking people to, 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 to push us up in the ratings so that we can help coaches get better at their craft. Follow us on Twitter, a pen and a napkin. We try to put daily coaching clinic, uh, da- daily coaching stuff up on the Twitter site. So Foundation Friday, number 38, organizing your elementary and feeder programs, kind of the behind-the-scenes stuff and, and stuff to put out in front of parents and players before you even get started with it, your tryout process. Coaches, as always, let's pray for peace, let's stay safe, and let's be sure to hone our craft one day at a time. <laughs>